This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer. There are probably a lot of communities where those trolls are decision makers, where those trolls do own businesses and do employ people. And I could see that would create so much fear if you're not going to stand up to someone who has the power to fire your husband in his job. And so that's the part where we have to figure out how we start to have these conversations to have influence on. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. This is the Nerd Farmer Podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Hey, everybody, this is Nate Bowling, host of the Nerd Farmer podcast, brought to you by Tapco Credit Union and Libro FM. I'd like to welcome you to a Pop the Trunk irregular edition of the podcast. For those unaware, the Pop the Trunk moniker is stolen from a man, Jalen Rose. These are irregular episodes of the podcast that come out not on a normal release time. Uh, they are interviews in response to events. Before we have our conversation today, and today we're talking to Natalie Bowman, a marketing executive, uh, I want to set some context and kind of set up my conflicts in this conversation. We're going to be talking today about the display of a Confederate flag in a virtual classroom in Tacoma. I am not neutral in this conversation. I am a committed anti-fascist. I'm a committed anti-racist. And the Confederate flag in Connecticut, Connecticut? Nope. The Confederate flag and Confederate iconography have no place in a classroom. Now, if it's in a textbook or an article and it says, like, this is a flag of white supremacy, this is a flag of hate, this is a flag that was used by the Confederate Army who lost the Civil War in an attempt to maintain slavery, then that's one thing. But just the casual display of Confederate iconography has no place in a classroom. For context, uh, I have read up on student speech and teacher speech for pretty obvious reasons, I think. Uh, Supreme Court case Tinker versus Des Moines protects the rights of students and teachers to express themselves in schools. However, their speech cannot be a substantial disruption to the learning environment. And I can think of no more substantial disruption than a known symbol of hate in the classroom. All right. Conflict number two is that this happened in a classroom in Tacoma schools. I am a product of Tacoma schools, and I'm proud of that. I worked for 13 years as a teacher in Tacoma schools. I'm proud of that. And I'm currently on leave from Tacoma schools and contemplating what my future looks like. And honestly, I'm proud of that as well. And so I'm having a conversation about my current employer and about one of my deeply held philosophical beliefs. And so I want to put that on record as we go into the conversation. We're going to be talking about talking with Natalie, and she's going to tell the story uh, for you all of what happened in her child's first grade classroom. And I want us to think about not just Natalie, not just Tacoma, but nationwide in this moment. What is the response to Confederate iconography and symbols of hate in school? What is the work that teachers should be doing? And so this is an interview and a conversation about Tacoma, but this is happening all over the country, in particular, given the fact that we're just a few days after the attempted coup uh, on January 6th. So... We will be right back in a moment with my combo with Natalie. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, We Art Tacoma. And I've been a member of TAPCO Credit Union since I was a kid, really. 
My parents set up a savings account for me, and I've had that account with them ever since. In fact, my first credit card wasn't from a big bank, it was from Tapco, and I still have that too. What I appreciate about Tapco is they are intensely local. Just like Channel 253, Tapco keeps its focus on Tacoma and Pierce County. They have easy-to-reach branches and ATMs in the Tacoma area, and when I don't want to drive, I just use their online or mobile banking. To this day, Tapco helps parents teach kids good savings habits. The Moolah Kids Club teaches kids about savings, not only through interest on their money, but with special prizes and discounts at local attractions. So if you want to help your kids start a savings account the same way my parents did, check out our local credit union at tapcocu.org. My thanks to Tapco for their support of this podcast and Channel 253. All right, Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I would like to start by clarifying something I said in the intro that I feel stupid about. I said that you're a marketing executive, which is a context I know you in, but like that's not the context of this conversation. Uh, in this conversation, I'm talking to you as a parent of a child in Tacoma schools, yes? Two children. And Two children in Tacoma schools. Okay. Uh, can you walk me through what happened on January 7th? And I want to say that date out loud, January 7th, intentionally. So what happened January 7th? So I logged in my son into school and I typically don't log him into class. My husband's usually doing it, but I, I logged him into class and he can see all of the other kids. You know, he has the, the sort of classroom view and dead center in what he's looking at was a child with two large flags hanging behind him. One, a Confederate flag and the other, the other I'm less familiar with, but it's the snake. I think it's the don't tread on me flag. Mm -hmm. And very prominently displayed, filling up the entire background. Um, I had never seen it before. It was really horrifying to me. So I, I captured a picture of it and then I emailed the principal. I honestly expected the teacher, I really in that moment expected that the teacher would say something very quickly. Um, you know, in a way she might ask someone to stop eating on screen or, or whatever, but <laughs> didn't seem to be reacting to it. So I sent an email to the principal um, he responded very quickly and said he would take care of it. The flag, it was still up for about two hours, I would say. And they only have three hours of class in the morning. So it was up mostly for class on Thursday, I would say. Um, and then on Friday morning, those flags were not there, but the child was waving a little American flag. I am struck that this went up on Thursday because that means that it went up the day after a coup took place in our nation's capital that killed five people and a coup in which a police officer we're now hearing was basically beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. Yes. So that troubles me for obvious reasons. Um, for you, what was, so, okay, so you contact the school, it disappears, uh, but you also share this on social media. And so mm -hmm. I'm assuming because like we're very aware of the problem of white supremacy, that the community rallied to the cause and was like condemning this across the board universally. That's what happened, right? Um, yes and no. I would oh, say man. on on Twitter, yes, absolutely. Everyone on Twitter, you know, it it was a terrible thing. People who worked with or for the school district, reached out in private messages saying, you know, they believe the school district would take the right action. Um, you know, you have a couple of media who reached out and I think the media were, they they got to the, 
they jumped to the fact that it was intentional much more quickly than I did. I don't think I was, re- I was thinking coup. I was just thinking this family's showing a hate symbol. I sort of wasn't connecting the two as quickly as the media did in my conversations with them. But where, where the response became incredibly disappointing, um, I had expected. So as context, a couple of weeks ago or even months ago, a parent yelled the word in the middle of a class. And within hours, the principal had sent an email out to all parents, you know, basically apologizing, saying this wasn't appropriate. This is not the kind of thing that should happen in classrooms. I was expecting a similar type of communication to go out from our school leadership or from the school district, reinforcing that this is not something that they accept. And I had spoken to the the principal on the phone that morning, and he had said he was taking care of it, but no communication came out. So the next day I posted on our school community Facebook page. So it's not, it's not managed by the school. It's managed by parents. It's just a community Facebook page. And there was quite a bit of defending the flag, defending the person saying that conversations about racism are political and don't have any place in a school, don't have any place with our children. And so that was just, it was horrifying, but at the same time, and I think you'll appreciate this, it was surprising, but also not surprising. It's sure. like, you don't want to believe that that's there. And you don't want to believe that your kids are going to school surrounded by kids who are hearing that type of messaging, but it was definitely there. Um, the majority of the parents were, you know, on the, on the right side of history, I would say, but the fact that there was a very vocal group who were not was pretty shocking to me. Um, so I wanted to take an action and that's what I started just raising money to get books because I feel like there's so much great media and that the post that I had made, I had listed a lot of resources. So I had listed podcasts for kids and parents So a different list for kids, a different list for parents, podcasts, things to watch on TV, like even just watching Booksmart on Netflix, where it's black celebrities reading authors, black authors to kids. Like it's, it's benign in my mind, but they don't take it as benign. You know, they take it as some kind of assault on their world. I'm struck by two things that you mentioned there. So the first thing I'm struck by is somebody said that conversations about racism don't belong in classrooms. Mm-hmm. But the conversation is about how a hate symbol doesn't belong in a classroom. So a hate symbol belongs in the classroom, but a conversation about the hate symbol doesn't? Like, is that an actual line of reasoning posited by, posited by an adult? I don't think reasoning is the word I would use, but yes, that is. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was, the whole thing was just, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't expose myself to a lot of Facebook trolls. So I know they're out there. I know this happens. And some of it was gaslighting, you know, and I take the feedback, like one, one parent was very upset that I took a picture, very upset that I shared a picture, though I did, you know, I, I covered up faces and names and all of that, but she felt like the art on the walls was identifiable and she knew which homes they were. And so I take that feedback, but that I think just takes, it just serves to distract from the conversation that we're trying to have. Hmm. about the flag and that the flag should not be there. Um, and that the defense of the flag that the people are from the South, I'm from the South. I'm from people who think that flag's okay. It doesn't make it okay. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, for the record, both of my parents are from the South and you don't see me waving a Confederate flag also. So there you go. <laughs> um, something that we talked about before we had this conversation was about the nature of private replies. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, so you, you expressed to me that 
a lot of people sent you replies in private, like, good job, Natalie, you're doing the right thing, but wouldn't say anything publicly. Can you talk yeah. about why that's not useful and why that's not helpful allyship? Yeah, um, that that was the, a really shocking part to me. And I think first, the ratio, it makes it feel like the higher volume of comments are in support of the hate symbol or the right for the kids to hold the hate symbol. So some of it's just ratio of you're letting those voices drown out the other voices. I also don't think it helps with dialogue. Um, and it it does make you a little distrustful of how much do you really support this conversation if you're you're coming to me in private about it. I will say though, we we did a second post with, which which was just resources. And a lot of people who had PM'd me are more vocal and engaged in that post. And so I think there is some people just don't want to engage with trolls. They don't want to be associated or part of that conversation, but they are willing to be vocal about the topic. And so that was, I was happy to see that there is that. Um, and every single one of the people who PM'd also donated money. So that's really great. Um, and the the donation, you know, created a lot of good conversations. Um, Martellus Bennett, who is Michael Bennett's brother, um, he reached out to me and he's an author of Black children's books. And so he's helping us get access to the book. So it, you know, in that sense, it's been, it's great that there are enough people in my world who will rally to, to make some change. So the incident with the flag happened, the incident with the flag is kind of in the past. Um, what's, it, what are your takeaways from like this incident going forward? Like, what are you learning walking out of this? I think it's that in all the corporations, so I work for, for a large corporation, and when the Black Lives Matter initiative happened, our CEO sent out a note, you know, condemning the behavior and saying, this is not who we are, we must do better, and acknowledging the role that our company plays, and most of our leadership is white, the majority of our employees are white, um, and really saying, like, we're going to do better. And you felt it throughout the whole company. Like, everyone is taking a next, you know, sort of the next level of DNI training. We have safety circles where we openly talk about race. Um, in our hiring practices, we're doing more. And I think what I expect to see is that same type of action in our schools. Mm -hmm. And I, I had assumed that it was already going to happen just by nature of academia and the conversations that are happening. And it's not. And so, you know, if we were in person in school, I would expect to see posters hanging on the wall. I would expect to see after school activities where this is a book club talking about these types of books. And so I think now my role is just to be a catalyst to make that stuff happen. I don't I'm not I don't consider myself an activist and I don't necessarily want to drive all of these things, but I want them to happen um, at our schools. What would you say to other parents? So like we're having this conversation about Tacoma, but like this is probably happening in lots of places. And I I think the displaying of the flag the day after the incident at the Capitol is a signal being sent to the community by that person. And that signal is being sent in other places. Um, what would you say to parents who are listening to this about how sh they should approach this in their own communities uh, outside of here in Tacoma or there in Tacoma? I think you just have to force the conversation. I think... Conversations about race now have to take place all of the time. I think one of the biggest privileges that we as white people have is that race is not a factor in our daily lives, and we have to make it a factor in our daily lives. We have to find a way. It's uncomfortable, but it also is not hard. 
And that's the part I think that's amazing to me. It's not hard for me. It, I, I expended zero capital in posting this on social and talking about it with my friends. It's no risk for me, but it's risk for other people. It's risk for Black people to be the vocal ones in this situation. And so we have to take on more of that risk for them, for you. Uh, before we started recording, you mentioned how this has given you perspective of like one cententh of what it's like to be like a black person and navigate these circles and navigate like these issues. Uh, what would you say to other people who are maybe on the sidelines of issues of racial justice and maybe like don't want to get their hands dirty because I think it's like not their work? It is your work. It is everyone's work. It's um, that they Black people cannot solve this problem on their own. We have, and not that we're, I don't, this is not white savior. This is not us coming in to do that, but we have to help. We have to be the ones because we're the ones more exposed to where the system problems are, where the systemic racism happens. We're in the rooms where the, it feels benign. They don't realize they're doing it. Um, and we have to be the ones to talk about it and have those uncomfortable conversations. But they are uncomfortable and that, you know, the thing that I was thinking about in this throughout all of this is the people that in that particular, like the trolls, those people have no influence on my life, but there are probably a lot of communities where those trolls are decision makers, where those trolls do own businesses and do employ people. And I could see that would create so much fear if you're not going to stand up to someone who has the power to fire your husband in his job. And so that's the part where, we have to figure out how we start to have these conversations to have influence on people who have more influence. Um, so, I, I don't want to get like caught up in like messy gossip about like partners and community, but I'm, but I'm wondering were the people who were defending the pleasant were the people who were defending the presence of the flag parents at the school or just like random folks who saw the post and were chiming in? They were parents at the school. How does that? change your worldview or alter the way you see that community then? Um, very poorly. I think, I mean, luckily at the same time that I'm being exposed to the fact that there are people who are that deeply racist going, who have children going to school with my kids, which is terrifying. I also was exposed to more parents who feel like I do. So I do feel like we now have a tighter, stronger community of people who are against it and want to fight it than that small group. But I'm thankful there's no in-person class. I don't want to see some of those women in person. And they were all, I mean, it's not always women, but they were mostly women who were, who were doing it. You know, that, that part's going to be super awkward. I, you know, if I think about like, I don't know, you serve on a committee or put your kids in a rec league. I, I don't know that I necessarily want my kids associated with their kids. And that's that's tough because I know it's not the kid's fault. But at the same time, I have to protect what my children are exposed to. I feel like in this moment, I'm getting more, not bold, because I think I've always been bold to my own detriment sometimes, but more committed to drawing boundaries about my safety and about on, about, on matters of race and issues where like in the past, I'd be willing to laugh it off or willing to like shrug it off. I'm, I'm putting my foot down. And I, I think that's something society needs. Uh, one thing I appreciate about your effort is, is you've spun this effort forward in something like positive for the community in the book drive. Do you want to talk about that really fast? Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm just a believer that educating yourself and reading is the best way to understand someone else's perspective and create empathy. And so books are 
relatively cheap. I felt like it was an easy, quick thing that we could do. There's so much great content out there by Black Authors for Kids. So I've just been collecting donations. And then I asked other parents to also start doing their own fundraising on their communities. Um, My goal would be, my goal, I think, was a really lofty, but was to have a new book for every child and parents. So having books for adults too, um, whether it's a quiet fragility or so you want to talk about race, having books that we can give the parents too, um, so that everyone has something that can just help expose them to the topic a little bit more. If people want to support that drive to raise money for books, where can they donate to? I have a Venmo that I posted on my Twitter, so um, they can go to Twitter. My Twitter is at Miss Bo, M-I-S-S-B-E-A-U-X. Um, and I'll, I'll make it, I'll pin it so that it's more prominent, but yeah. that's where I have it now. I think this is a really important conversation to have just for the community. Like, given the events in Washington, D.C., uh, it's important that we stand up and say no to hate. And so, like, I am fully aware that, like, you are talking about your school community and your neighbors, and I am talking about the actions of the people who I'm still currently employed by. But, like, if you're offended by this conversation, you should not be. This is a conversation about justice. You should be more offended by racism. And so, no, this is all said in love. Uh, yeah. Natalie, if you already said your, your, your social media handle, I guess, uh, let me do this then. Uh, we always end the show with a thing called here, hold this L, hold this L. Uh, hold and this so L. I'm going to give you the opportunity to hand an L to somebody. So let's put this aside, this conversation aside. You don't want to hand L's to your neighbors. Uh, but who's somebody out there who you think needs to hold an L for a while? What does hold an L mean? I don't even know. it. <laughs> that's fair. That's I haven't listened in a while, I guess. Okay, so 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 holding an L means like to take a seat. So like the whole thing, the whole thing started with like <laughs> cancel culture is not real. So if you okay. could cancel somebody, who would it be? Okay, I'm gonna say one, and then you guys don't publish it if you feel like it's gonna destroy my life. Go ahead. I would give an L to the Tacoma News Tribune Twitter channel. <laughs> Why? I I struggle so much with how little they give us that is unique to Tacoma, news that is unique to Tacoma versus the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks content that comes out of the News Tribune handle, I can get Seahawks content from 50 other media sources. I can get local Tacoma news from one, maybe two sources, three. One of which is Channel 253, by the way, one of those sources. (laughs) Channel 253, which is worth your sponsorship, by the way, if you're listening to this and are not a Channel 253 member, we get conversations like this for $4 a month, $4 a year. Join us. The Slack is jumping. Bonus content. You were saying. Yes, exactly. I mean, the thing, part of why we like living in Tacoma is you want a a little bit more of a smaller community feel, which means I want to know. And, you know, it's not that you need local gossip, but I don't know, when a medium-sized company moves to Tacoma or... Something, you know, someone gets a big grant, someone goes on national TV. I mean, I read the story about Undercover Billionaire on the Seattle Times before I read it in the Tacoma News Tribune. And so their Twitter handle, I just, I I don't feel like they're telling the stories of Tacoma. I feel like they're telling the stories of the region and we have other places we can get that information. Hey, that's honest feedback. You're a pro communicator and one of the best, so I respect it. Uh, Natalie, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Wakanda forever, y'all. Fight racist, wear a mask. Wash your damn hands. Get a vaccine when you can. Stay safe. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. 
Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Interchangeable White Ladies, Give Me the Mic, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.